Welcome to the Boss Lady in Sweatpants Show. I'm your host, Allison Scholes, and I'm on a mission to help female entrepreneurs like you ditch the overwhelm and comparison and teach you how to create less but better content with ease and build an extraordinary brand and business, but do it in a way that is aligned with your soul and makes you crazy happy with your life. This show is filled with faith-led episodes about content creation, social media marketing, and business growth with a side of coffee and Jesus. If you're ready for some juicy content, then it's time to hand your kiddos those tablets, grab your coffee, whiskey, or wine, and let's dive in. Hey there, my friend, and welcome back to another great episode today. You're in for a treat. My incredible guest is not only a wife, mother, grandmother, a speaker, author, and a podcast host, but she's also a humanitarian, a martial artist teaching women self-defense, and the co-founder of All Things Possible Ministries with her husband, Victor Marks. For me, I know her as one of the coolest females out there that is a warrior for women around the world. Without further ado, welcome to the show, Eileen. Thank you, Allison. You're very, very kind. You're very generous with your uh, thoughtfulness. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. And you may not know this, but when I was setting my 2023 goals, you were at the top of my list as a potential guest for the show. And here you are. And I am wow. so grateful for your time today because I know that you are a very busy lady with everything you and your husband do through all things possible ministries. And when I was getting ready for this interview, I did some research. I did some digging. And here's what I've learned about your ministry and what you accomplished last year. And listeners, or if you're watching this, I really want you to pay attention to this because this ministry is really making an amazing impact on the world. So ATP has distributed over 35,000 lion and lambs across Mexico, the U.S., and the Middle East. They've helped more than 13,500 women and children in the Middle East and another 500 in Asia. And you've protected, sheltered, ministered, and continue to offer long-time care to over 30 girls at the House of Refuge in Asia. And with your team, nine pedophile rapists were arrested, and you've helped 12 families that were extremely vulnerable to sex trafficking. In addition to in-person events, including the first marriage conference in Iraq, ADP has also provides e-classes on marriage counter-trafficking, and leadership training. This is incredible, but it couldn't have been an easy road. So Eileen, can you take us back to 2003 when you founded and started ATP? Like, why did you start this ministry? And tell us about the journey in the last 20 years. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. And I'm just going to tell you that God is on the move. God is moving all over the world. And we are astounded. We just buckle up and we say, God, open the doors you want open and shut those doors you want shut. And he brings us the team that he wants us to be able to accomplish all these things. Because truly, as you're telling all these things, it's like, wow, yeah, yeah, God, you did that. And you did this. So it is, it's, it's exciting and it's not slowing down at all. 
And especially our latest adventure is uh, going to the sex trafficking world and actually being able to capture these pedophiles, these traffickers. You know, there are so many out there. There's across the world. So even if we find one, even if one is captured, it's one less child that's going to be hurt. It's one less child that's going to have their whole life ruined for them in so many aspects. So yeah, we are moving in so many different circles. So how did we start? So we actually started 20 years ago in Colorado Springs. My husband, uh, Victor, was invited to a youth prison, a maximum security youth prison. There were 75 children, and this was in Colorado Springs. And, you know, all he knew uh, was his martial arts. You know, there there is a stigma going into youth prisons. I mean, for most of the population, they're out of sight, out of mind mm-hmm. because they they belong there because they've done bad things. But the reality is back in 2003, when we started this ministry, there were over 250,000 kids locked up in our country every single night, which is to me an F on our report card, because this is how we are taking care of and handling children. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they go in a timeout that doesn't help them. So the longer that we were going into these youth prisons, we realized these kids, and this is ages 10 to 18, but some of them were ages eight. These children have experienced a lot of trauma. A lot of, a lot of them, a high majority of them were abused physically, sexually, emotionally abused. So what they were doing was experiencing trauma, PTSD. And no one's addressing that. They're just saying, you're bad. You stay in here until you're done and you get back out. And guess what? Hmm. They go back and do the same thing. So we realized the connection of trauma with these kids needs to be addressed. And at the same time, as we're going in here, Victor is now having his stuff as a childhood, as he's hearing these children's stories about trauma and sexual abuse, his, as he describes it, his bolt, which he had learned to keep really tight, started cracking and started opening. And I believe looking back that God used these children that he was ministering to, to help him get healing. So, I mean, it was, of course, we don't plan these things. We don't say, oh, you know, I'm going to go in here and, and I'm going to start working on my my stuff. But the beautiful thing that came from that is not only are these children getting the attention they need to understand, PTSD does not go away. And for youth, it causes high-risk behavior. So while this is going on in one way, Victor is starting to process his stuff and working with an amazing doctor. And from that, his book was written and distributed across the United States. And it was a number one bestseller in the youth prisons, right? They loved it. I mean, you know, it was given out, of course, but these kids can relate to his story and how Victor, he, he just was open because these kids want to know that other people can relate to their trauma. And then a film was done, the Victor Mark story. So, you know, what we think is going to be a the unknown, the future unknown, God is always walking before us. He knew this was going to happen. So 
So now we're in the understanding of what trauma looks like. So it's not just the military. And then it's not just people who have sexual trauma. It's people worldwide. Everyone experiences trauma. But what happens in a person's life is if it starts disrupting their life, the PTSD, then it becomes a disorder. Post-traumatic stress does not become a disorder until it starts disrupting your life. That's when relationships fall. That's when people go ballistic. They go off the wall, right? They, they're they doing great. All of a sudden they turn right. It's like, what happened? So Victor started speaking in churches and then he would share his story and he would have a line literally wrapped around the sanctuary for people wanting to talk to him and tell them their story. I can relate because most people, they don't share their story. They don't, they don't think that anyone else has experienced it. The reality is one in every three girls, one in every four boys experience at least some kind of sexual trauma, which is, that's an outrageous statistic, but that's what it is. So that's how ATP ministry started in Colorado in 20 and 2003. And it has just grown from there. I mean, so incredible. And I think the connection between Victor and these youth, what Victor did for them is they felt seen. They yes. felt validated. And like you said, I think God put him there for a reason, even though you and Victor did not know that that was going to happen. But I mean, we always say divine intervention. You don't know when it's coming. No, and, and really it's God's mercy. Because Victor, prior to that, was locked up. He was functioning the best that he possibly could, right? He mm -hmm. was um, surviving. He was maintaining. He was, you know, he describes it as he's pushing the beach ball down. And it would pop up. And it's like, uh-oh, where did that come from? So God allowed him to get healed. And now, because of our work in the trauma, um, it's interesting, back in 2014, um, do you remember the news with ISIS? Yes. I, okay. So ISIS did a lot of on-purpose propaganda to create fear. They had, they had literally planned out what they were going to do. And their target was initially the Yazidis, which are tribal people that live over in Northern Iraq. So they're not Arab and they're not Kurdish, they're Yazidis. And, and they're, they're a beautiful group of people. I mean, they look European, they have light hair, they have blonde hair, they have blue eyes, green eyes, curly, it's just different. And they have their own religion. So these were the young women that ISIS targeted as they went through the homes with AKs and they threatened the fathers, either pay me, convert to Islam, or they shot them grabbed the girls and they brought them to their headquarters, which is in Mosul. And, and I don't, I don't expect the listeners to know Iraq, but so when ISIS, they would record going down the street and shooting young men, just shooting. They would record uh, doing awful things to women. So we get it over here, the United States, different media outlets are getting this and we're watching it. And you know what? It's fearful mm -hmm. to think, even though it's over there for these people to go through this. So we actually had connections with people over there and they said, Hey, we have a group of young women who were captured by ISIS 
And these women are from ages 13 up to 20. And now they, they've got them. They're free, but they're killing themselves because of the trauma that they are trying to not relive in their mind. So they said, can you guys come over here? I got the phone call. I'm thinking, uh, I don't know. I mean, who are we? We don't have the staff. We don't have the man, but we don't have anything. So I actually called Samaritan's Purse. I called big Christian therapy organizations. And you know what? It was crickets. Wow. And it's like, okay, who, who wants to go to Iraq right now? I right. don't blame you. But I, I told Victor, I said, honey, we've got to get over there because we understand trauma. We understand what's happening to these young women. At first he said, no. So we went over there, we took a team of trauma specialists. And then of course we took a team of special forces to protect us because um, Americans, not a good time to be over right. there. We're the infidel, they hate us. So God opened that door. And really since that time, we actually went over there early 2015. We still have a presence there. We have a home there. We, we have been given favor to work with the government over there. The, the leaders that are embracing our help because we understand the trauma. And now we have our team helping the police look for these predators, look for these traffickers, and then find the victims. So again, we don't know the beginning from the end, but God does. And all we're required to do is just trust him and walk through the door. So did you actually go with the team in 2015? I did. And against Victor's um, heart and even his team goes, Victor, you're not bringing your wife. You're not. There's no way you're going to be able to concentrate. And I just knew in my heart, I need to go. Because in their religion, men cannot touch women. But as a woman, I can. I can hug them and I can, I can tell them God loves them and God cares about them. So mm. that was my job. And um, it was beautiful. I mean, it's you know, uh, love and God's love is universal. And even hugging is universal. They did not push me away. They embraced it. So yeah, that was beautiful. And again, you know, I, I, I remember I told my mom, I said, mom, I'm doing this. She goes, Eileen, you're, you're crazy. Please don't do this. And I said, I know it doesn't make sense, mom. I know, but I'm going because I have a peace. And it was that peace that just everything else was like out of focus. My focus was just, Lord, what do you want us to do? He went before us. He kept us safe and we came back. That is amazing. Now, with your time in Iraq, what did you learn about fear? Oh, well, actually, I I had no fear. I just was I just felt like I was in a in a machine just driving over until we're in our team of 20 Americans are in a hotel there. And uh, the first day we get there, we have 15 TV stations interviewing us. And the hotel we're at, there's no security. So I started thinking about, all right, ISIS has TV. They have access. They're watching us. So my mind went off and I just Mm. said, you know what? These people at the front desk, they have no um, loyalty to us. If ISIS were to say, hey, where are the Americans? Oh, they're on the third floor. We're dead. So 
I did start, I started processing that. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, we are dead ducks here. And I actually, I had, these are the two girls that were with me. I just said, we have to pray because I am stuck in this. I can't get out of this. And we prayed and God gave me the peace again. So yes, it was super dangerous. We could have been kidnapped, killed, and, you know, it, it would not be in the U.S.'s responsibility because we're an NGO. So that was the only time I had that time of fear. Other than that, it was like, God, I, I totally trust you. But you know what? If we don't get, get control of our thoughts and we go to the what ifs, and it's very easy to do that, mm-hmm. that's when it can be tormenting and overwhelming to us. So thank goodness for prayer warriors that were there. Americans, women that understood what I was going to as well. Wow. That is an amazing story. And I know I've seen clips from social media on that, but to hear that from you is still, it's, it's chilling, but it's also very inspiring. Like you said, we have these beliefs in our head and we need to keep them in check and know that God is in control and we need to give it to God and allow him to speak with us and speak through us. Yes. Yes. That's what he wants us to do. So, you know, there were times I went over there after being over there, you know, there's a scripture I would go to is he knows the numbers of our days in his book. They were all written the days fashioned before there's one. So that tells me, God, you have my days numbered. If I'm going to go here and I'm going to die, you already knew that. So that's one place I stand. The other is, he says he's our Prince of Peace. If Isaiah 26, 3 says, he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him because he trusts him. All right. So that means God, if I keep my mind on you, I can have peace because I trust you. And then the other one to me is uh, John 15, 5, and it talks about the vine. He says, mm-hmm. I'm the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. So again, I see myself, okay, I'm with you, Lord. You're with me. If something's going to happen, you're with me. I don't have to be afraid. So yes. it's really, the, the scriptures are there for all of us. We're either going to take them, we're going to put them into our heart and in our memory and then believe what they say, or they're just going to be words in a page that have no power. I choose to believe that God's word is powerful and living, and it is. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to be afraid no matter where we're at. Yes. I always reflect yeah. on uh, Joshua 1.9 when he mm-hmm. speaks mm-hmm. to Joshua after the death of Moses. And I just love, he's so powerful. Have I not commanded you? And tells Joshua, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And I am always with you. And I always reflect on that. If I'm nervous about something, there's something I can't control. I'm worried about somebody in my family or my own children. It's like, no, Joshua 1.9. He's commanding me to believe in him and be strong and courageous. Yes. Yes. And that's, you know, he knows, I know you're afraid. I I know you have fear, but it's okay. Don't be, don't be afraid. I'm with you. And it's like, if there's any other equation, any other person on this planet that says I'm with you, that wouldn't have the same 
impact. But when God says I'm with you, I can trust you, God. Yes. Yes. Amen. Yes. yes. Now, recently you were a speaker at the Calvary Chapel in Chattanooga, and you spoke to women about taking the higher ground. You said something mm-hmm. that I think was profound, and this is what you said. When we know our place, our position, mm-hmm. our authority, we can raise the bar of our culture and we can see things change. I would love for you mm-hmm. to unpack that because I think women today are having a very difficult time understanding their place in such a noisy and confusing world. Yeah. Amen. And I'm going to tell you that um, when we are believers, something supernaturally happens to us. And this is what I'm talking about, our place, our position. So when Jesus died and then he was raised from the dead, God raised him and sat him at his right hand in the heavenlies, far above powers, dominions, principalities, all of that. Jesus was raised there. And interesting, that's in Ephesians. Down into Ephesians 2, 20, 2, 5, he tells us, when we were still dead in our trespasses, we come to faith, we believe, now we are raised with Jesus, who is seated at the right hand of the Father. And guess what? Far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion. So again, I actually take that seriously. We are here on this earth, but we have been given a position of a higher ground, and that is with Jesus. So what that means to me is we just don't have access to here, look at each other from this level, but from another dimension. And when we can see things from another dimension, from up there in the spirit world, oh my goodness, look at, we are fighting against darkness, against powers. We're not fighting against each other. And that to me is the key. If we can go, okay, wait a minute. Like for example, if my husband and I are arguing, we have once or twice in our 35 years. (laughs) That was a joke. Um, I, so I have learned many times it's the enemy who's trying to get in. He's using our fatigue. He's using our hunger. He's using our stress. He's using all these opportunities to get in and cause doubt or accusation or all these things that get us looking at each other like, what are you doing? And it's it's like he's throwing a rock and then turns around. So when we look, we see our husband and then we start accusing him for accusing us. And it's like, wait a minute, when I can go, wait just a minute, you know what? If this is the enemy trying to cause dissension, I start praying. I pray that any and every demonic entity that is around us causing these, that the Lord would take care of, that he would send his angels down to this realm and take care of these demonic entities causing strife, being the fuel that's trying to get us separated. And the other thing is humility. Jesus was a humble person. He was God, but he took on the form of a servant. And when we as women, it's very hard for us to say, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I was wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? But I'm telling you those two things, taking our authority and saying, I'm sorry, would you for- are powerful weapons 
And you know what? The enemy doesn't like it. First of all, he doesn't like to be identified and then he doesn't like it when we humble ourselves. So that's, and, and you know, this can be across all relationships, every relationship that we have here on this planet. If we apply these principles, it can be friends, it can be family members, it can be school board members, it can be political, it can be any and everyone that we are involved with or that we know of. We can stand in this place, take our authority, pray against the forces of darkness, and then pray for humility. It's to me, it's that simple, but it goes against our nature. Mm -hmm. So there's a rub there. Yes, for sure. And so I love how you explain that because a lot of women might interpret, oh, taking the higher ground, I have to just be quiet and, you know, let them get away with it. No, taking the higher ground is understanding your position with Jesus and then coming back from a place of service. And like you said, the enemy doesn't like that. Oh, and it's it's that simple but it literally goes against our nature. So many times people don't even recognize the enemy is the one who's coming against their marriage. He's the accuser. He's the one he wants to dismantle marriages. Look yes. at, look at him. So he isolates husbands and wives. He, he drives a wedge in there. And then if, if one, let's say that the husband's having a hard time, let's just say pornography, he will never go to his wife because she's the enemy now. Mm -hmm. Instead of being humble and say, honey, I'm struggling with this. And her saying, okay, let's pray about this. It's just like this constant battle back and forth. And that the enemy's laughing because he wins both. He gets the man caught in this cycle of addiction, and then he has separated the marriage. So the wife, you know, she, it's so easy to take it personal, but it's really, it's, it's not about her. It's about him. And I know it goes both ways. Women are also caught up in pornography and it's destructive. I don't care how you look at it, but if we can just go, wait a minute, you know what? Let me get another perspective here. It takes the sting out of make taking it personal. And then you look at your spouse, like, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for us. And it really does, it dismantles the enemy's tactics. And we should be doing that. We should be walking that every single day. Yes. And we know that marriage is not perfect. You've been married. You just celebrated 34 years of marriage, correct? Yes. 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 Yeah. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. And you're <laughs> right. We have had some doozies. We were separated twice and we had a lot of problems because of my husband's childhood. You know, he described, and then I had stuff, but he describes our marriages. You know, when you bring luggage into the marriage, he goes, he brings not just a piece of luggage, but the whole luggage train. And I said, well, you know, I just had a carry on, but I had explosives in mine. <laughs> so, you know, when we do bring in this luggage, we have to unpack it. And I think marriage was designed to be a place, a safe place to unpack these issues together, understanding we're not perfect. There's no perfect person. And that's what we had to do. So um, we got married. We had three children within four years. Wow. And then, yep, yeah, Victor, um, he got injured. And then he started 
unraveling, but we didn't know what it was. So he was given medication, tons of medication. And again, the doctors at the time did not understand PTSD. They didn't understand that childhood trauma could actually be presenting itself as an adult, right? And I know there are so many marriages that this happens, but they don't, it's not identified. You know, one of them is going off and behaving erratically. It's like, what happened? It's just, I don't like your behavior. I'm leaving. And it's like, well, God allowed us to be under his care and, and we had grace for each other. And, um, that's the other element. Grace. We have to have grace in marriage. We have to have grace and forgiveness and understanding. And so, yeah, it's been a journey. Now we have five children, five grandchildren, and I am so I'm, I'm struggling right now because our youngest is 17 graduating and moving and we're empty nesters. And, and and that's a hard one for me because I haven't been an ep- empty nester for 32 years. It's wow. really, yeah, it's, um, I'm processing that. So, yeah. Well, yes. God is setting you up for a new adventure that I'm sure you're going to have a very positive impact. So let him take control of that wheel for you. <laughs> oh, he is. And I'm, I'm so excited for my son. He's got an incredible opportunity. And then our daughter too, she's actually working for the ministry and it's all good. It's just, this is just the human side, right? I am human. Yes. <laughs> and I do have my, my babies, um, no matter how old they are. So, and I think too, that's something that we need to remember going back to finding our place in this noisy world, we're inundated with social media. And Mm -hmm. honestly, I think 95% of it is just a fake highlight reel. These are human beings and we all go through struggles and we're all juggling. My oldest is graduating in two weeks from high school. So I'm unpacking that, realizing that, and you know, my husband is having a hard time at work and he is suppressing it and not opening up to him. And I'm trying to let him know I'm here for you. And he says, no, I don't want you to worry. And I keep reminding him, but we're a team and we're going to do this together. (laughs) So I think, what is your feeling on the impact that social media is making on women today? And they're just juggling all the things and they want to succeed and they want to make a difference, but they feel so lost in a very noisy world. Yeah, I, I again, this goes back to knowing who we are and knowing who we belong to. Yes. If we can be settled in that, we won't get pulled into the current culture, which, which is extremely powerful. This of, of, you know, make a name for yourself, be somebody, uh, get money, get status, all these things. This is part of our culture. Mm-hmm. And this is, I think, um, it's, it's can be very destructive. If somebody doesn't have a grasp on it, having money, there's nothing wrong with it. Having status, there's nothing wrong with it. Having a position of power, there's nothing wrong with it. But if it becomes an obsession or if it becomes something that you're comparing yourself to, one, you will never be good enough because there's always going to be somebody else who's doing something that you're not. So social media is good, has a lot of good to it, but I think it destroys, it can't, it has great potential to destroy 
especially women, because we are, we compare ourselves. We, we look at what someone's doing and I'm not doing this. And I just say, if people are in this position, pull away, pull away. Um, I think what you will find is if you stop these constant images and the constant flow of who's doing this, who looks like that, then, then you'll be able to calm down and then get into God's word. Mm-hmm. Get what does God say about you? Because I'll tell you what, he does not compare people the way we do. He doesn't say, oh, you're valuable if you have a million followers or if you look like that. No, 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 no. See, we we do that to ourselves. So we have to pull out to get the chaos, to get the chatter out of our head. Literally get away from that and literally spend time with the Lord. Ask him, God, what do you think of me? What is your word? What scripture can I read so I can understand what you say about me? Because that's the only voice that matters. Honestly, that's the only thing that matters in this world. So until we do those things, I think we'll stay on this treadmill and we'll never measure up. And then we get depressed and anxiety. And it's just like that, that is not what God has for us. Well, I think it goes back to what the Bible says about false idols. So when we catch ourselves idolizing someone's Instagram feed or idolizing the success of someone, we need to stop and say, well, what has God taught us about false idols? And all the tribes, what happened to those tribes who had the false idols? They fell. So yes. like you said, go back yes. to scripture, go back to God. Yes. And that's where you'll find peace. Oh, honest, truly, that is where the peace lives. That is where it's, it's with him. And Psalm 139, King David describes how God sees him. There's not a place on this planet that he can go that God is not there. He knows his value because he describes, Lord, you know how many hairs I have on my head. You saw me before I was born. You saw me being created in my mother's womb. Your thoughts towards me are more than the sand of the sea. So if we can go and say, God, what do you think of me? And we continue to fill our mind with that, it counters the the fake, the shallow uh, voices that are trying to pull us down. And I honestly believe the enemy uses that. That's a tool that he uses to make people feel worthless and have no value. But see, that's, that is not God's heart for us. Yes. And I do believe that there are some good aspects to social media because Mm -hmm. that is how I first came connected with you and Victor. And I have to give a shout out to your husband, Victor, because he had a post on Instagram about two years ago. That has stuck with me till this day. And he explained that he gets a lot of requests from people that often want to help and get involved physically, which I can understand because when we see or hear about the abuse of women and children, it's natural. We get angry and we want to take like physical aggression or physical action against the aggressors. Victor Mm -hmm. said something so 
key. And I really want our audience, if they walk away with anything today, I want them to walk away with this. And he said, we don't need physical warriors. We need more prayer warriors. And I don't know if you remember that statement two years ago, but it hit me hard. It made me take action through prayer. So what are your thoughts on this? And how can we be better prayer warriors? Well, I, I, I do remember that post and, and I do, I agree because there are so many people who want to join the team, yes. but in, in actuality, we can't have that many people, but we know that going into these different realms, going into these different places around the world that are heavily demonic and, and it's manifested in sexual perversion and the trafficking, we need prayer warriors because we know prayer works. Prayer can dismantle the enemy's assignments and tactic against people. So, oh my goodness, I think today we have over 12,000 on our Facebook prayer wall. Of We put things out there and they're going to town. They're praying for it. They're, they know that, you know what, I can't go, but I can certainly pray. So we won't know how many things were done how much protection, how much provision, all this stuff was done until we get to heaven. And then God will reveal, you know, your, your prayers, you did this, you didn't even know you prayed about this. So yeah, the prayers, we would not be in this ministry if we did not have people praying yes. because it's, there's, there's no, we would not be in this probably physically because we would probably be taken out because we would be wiped out. And, um, physically, emotionally, spiritually. So we, I mean, we actually have small prayer people that pray just for us every single day, every single day. And then I tell them certain needs and I'm so grateful. Those are prayer. Those are intercessors. They go before the father on our behalf and say, this is what's happening. And even for our team members who are in this scope of the enemy, because if you can take out a team member, guess what? All of our eyes turn to that instead of the mission. Hmm. So a hundred percent prayer, prayer warriors, prayer is we, I don't think can ever get enough prayers. And honestly, prayer is so simple. It's just a conversation with God. And for myself, because years ago I struggled with like, how do I pray? Like I thought there had to be a certain way to do it. And I don't remember where I heard this from, but it was four simple prompts to start the day. And it was God, I feel. God, I need God, you are, and God, thank you. It was those four simple mm. prompts to just start that conversation mm -hmm. daily with God. And that to me mm -hmm. is how to be a better prayer warrior. And that's what I've been doing so far. And so it's so easy just to tell him how you feel, tell him what you need, tell him who he is to yes. you right now, and then thank him mm -hmm. for something. Uh, yes. I mean, I agree. I, I mean, he already knows what we're thinking mm -hmm. and I know he loves, he loves our conversations. Yes. He wants us to spend time with him. It's like, we're checking in with him because he knows our day ahead of us. And I, there's no better time that we can do. And it doesn't have to be this drawn out thing. You have to be prostate. You can be driving, you can be doing the dishes, you can be in a meeting and praying quietly in your head. So it doesn't, it's not a formal thing. That's not our God. He loves the intention of our heart. He just wants the relationship and for us to trust him enough to say, 
I need this, or please pray, or please protect. And I mean, all of it. Yes. Oh, I love that. That, that was amazing. Now, is there a special prayer you would like to share with the women listening, especially those women who are just struggling and they're trying to trust the process and trying to hone in on their relationship with God? Yeah, I I would just say, you know, God is so personable. He is, and it's hard because we don't see him. And, and if we compare our time with God, with other people, they say, oh yeah, God told me this, God told me that. And some people never hear him. They think they never feel him. You are so unique. Your fingerprints are so unique and how you communicate with God is going to be just as unique. So don't, don't try to make something happen. Just start talking to him and then listen to him. And here's how I listen to God. I read, I read scripture and that's how he's speaking to me. Sometimes it becomes like bing, 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 bing. All the lights are going off. I could have heard a scripture a hundred times, but this particular one, I hear you, God. I understand this exactly. It doesn't have to be a whole chapter. It can be one verse. So don't complicate it. Just let it be somebody who you want to spend time with because he wants to spend time with you. And it's between you and him. It's personal. And just watch what happens. He doesn't want perfection. He just wants your heart. He wants the good, the bad, the ugly, all of you. He just wants you. That was beautiful, Eileen. And I know this was just such an amazing conversation today. And I couldn't thank you enough. And I know I could just keep going on and on and on and just keep talking about scripture and how we can get more prayer warriors. But I know a lot of listeners are going to want to get to know you, get to know Victor and your mission and your ministry. Where can they connect with you? Where can they find your work? Well, if, uh, VictorMarks.com, VictorMarks with an X.com is our website. Both of us have Instagram, VictorMarks. Instagram and then uh, Eileen Marks official Instagram. Um, those are the best places to find us. Um, you know, Victor's pretty prolific on his post. He's always updating current things and um, getting people engaged. And I think that's the, the best place. Um, you know, we, we travel all over the place and we try to post where we're going to be in certain towns in the event that people are there, they can come out and visit us. And we love that. And, um, Allison, thank you. This was wonderful. I love talking about what God's doing. I love talking about who Jesus is and how he wants that connection with us. And again, who we are in him, which I, I would love more people to be walking in that authority and just knowing, you know, it's available to all of us. It's like at a banquet table and you walk away taking nothing, you know, he has everything for us. So take it because it's for us and other people need it too. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Can you do me a favor? The best way to support me and grow the podcast is by leaving a written review on Apple iTunes. I promise you, I read every review and take them to heart. 
And don't forget, head to bossladyandsweatpants.com to snack some freebies or hang out with me on Instagram at Allison Scholes. I'll see you soon.